0: Would you please join me for a word of prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. One of the greatest joys of my life was raising our son and our daughter. One of the greatest joys was being there for them when there were these great days of victory. And you looked, and on the fifth grade football field at St. John's or whatnot, we put it on St. Paul's and Salem, and you know, you're just cheering for your child. You're, yes, let's go, let's go, let's go. And they're little, and you wrap them up, and you hug them and love them, and, and you raise them they're not raised in a vacuum. You don't raise your child or your grandchild in, a, in kind of a little locker that you take them out in the morning and put them back at night and then everything's good. You know, it just doesn't, doesn't work that way. And on those times where it's really hard, everybody got invited but me. That's how it's going to be. It's going to be like that throughout your whole life. I can't get along with the person whose desk is next to mine, Dad. Well, guess what? In 15 years, you're going to have a cube next to someone who eats cheese all day with onions. They're going to smell and you're going to... It's all just part of the way life, life is. It is a joy to raise our kids. It ain't easy, but it's a joy. About a month from yesterday, my son will be married all the way through St. John's, through Orange Lutheran, through the University of San Diego. What's important to us is what's in his heart. Our daughter graduates from college this fall, this spring, all the way through St. John's, preschool through eight, all the way through Orange Lutheran, all the way through Azusa Pacific a University. And the thing we care about the most is not the trajectory of the wealth, what we really care about is the condition of their soul. As Christian parents, we deeply desire for them to be successful in this part of the world, and that's why I've got about eight more years of student loans to pay off. But, but there's a much more. And if you think St. John's tuition is something, I got news for you. You know, what's in their soul is what lasts. I remember disciplining our children and and looking at them and saying, "I don't like what you did." But I can't think of one time ever saying, I don't like who you are. Because what you do and who you are sometimes get mismatched and misaligned. Our children are our children. They are are sons and daughters of God in Christ through holy baptism. They, They are young people learning and growing in the world. And then somehow at about 24, 25, they're adults and you hope that what is on the inside, faith and character and hope and hard work, that those pieces have been delivered and inculcated by family into them. What's on the outside is good, but it's what's on the inside that drives. That's where Jesus is going in our text today from Matthew chapter five. He takes the the scriptures and kind of turns it upside down he says, you have heard it said, but now I say to you. And I love that. He says, Here's the way it was and here's the way it's going to be. You have heard it said, but now this is what I say to you. You have heard it said and Moses gave it to you in the Ten Commandments. Here's what it is. Do not disrespect your parents. Remember the Sabbath day. Don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet, don't murder, and you're all good. And Jesus comes and teaches that day and kind of turns that on its. Head. You have heard it said, but now I say to you. And as you look through that reading today, you see that about a half a dozen times. And the people that day, their eyes would have spun. I can't do that. If I come and I say to you, you know, last week Pastor Rossell preached and he said, but now I say to you, wow. Because we speak from the authority of the word. Jesus, the Christ that day, spoke from the authority of being the son of God. And at the end, in chapter 7, it says, and they were amazed that he spoke as one with such great authority. Rabbis would say, well, Rabbi, this said this, and Rabbi, this said that, Rabbi, this said this, and now today we take those rabbinical traditions and give them to you, not Jesus. You have heard it said, but now I say to you, Not speaking only of outward behavior, speaking of the heart, the condition of the soul, the motives, the inner life. That piece. And here's just the piece. If you're following along in your bulletin, this is the first paragraph of that bulletin. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder. And anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother and sister will be subject to judgment. Now, the first part I can live with, right? You know, raise your hand if you ever killed anybody in anger, right? No one raised their hand all morning. No one. And I can look at that and I can say, I didn't kill nobody. There's people I would like to maybe see taken out, but (laughs) I never did anything about it. I never ran anybody over with my car. Almost have. Never killed anybody. So I can suck it up and I can say, you know what? I have followed the line of this. I didn't kill anybody, so I'm okay. And I'm better than all the other people who've ever done that ever horrible thing in their lives. And then Jesus digs down. He said, you think you're so hot, Klinkenberg. How about this one? Have you ever been angry with your brother in your heart? Right. That's pretty irresistible, isn't it? Brother there means human being. Ever been mad at your spouse, ladies? Didn't quite get ready for church on time. Kids had to be here. And you elbowed and you cajoled. And you said, we got to go, 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 we got to go, we got to go. we And then you sat in the car and waited. Husbands love that. <laughs> and then husband, you got in the car and you said, I'm here, let's go. And she said, well, I've just got to get one more thing. Ever been angry with a brother, a co-worker? Jesus says that's equivalent to murder here. You have heard it said don't murder, but I say don't even be angry with your brother. And, and, And there's like this constricting squeeze on the soul that says, hey, I was cool with the murder thing, but the angry thing, that hits me where I live. When I yelled at the official at the soccer game, when, when the other dad called a, a third strike on my son and I went nuts. You're telling me that equates with murder? I'm not. Jesus is here in Matthew chapter 5. And he takes us through a list of brutal things, not just for the people of the time, but, but, but pieces of life for our age as well. Things that move from, hey, I didn't cheat on my wife, so I'm good, to, hey, if you've even lusted at a woman in your heart, then you better think about it. If you even thought about not telling the truth and not being honest, then you better think about it and reset yourself. You better think long and hard about what's in here rather than judging other people based on What's out there? That list of things is hard for my heart. Because who hasn't been angry? Who hasn't been self-absorbed? Who hasn't been looking lustfully at another person? Struggled with issues inside and outside of a marriage or even to tell the truth. No one that day and no one this morning sits free before God on their own. None of us stand blameless before God on our own. There's an inability for us to justify ourselves. So in the absence of being able to justify ourselves, we justify our sin, which is so painful. Well, you know, I only looked at her because she had that top on with those shorts. Oh, that makes it better, right? I only didn't tell the truth because had I told them more of the truth, then the deal wouldn't have gone through, and then I wouldn't have had the income. I need the income for my family, so I just shaded the truth enough to get the deal through. I got angry, but angry is no big deal. It's not like really I killed someone. We do those mental gymnastics Well, I'm better than them and I'm okay. And and we're still guilty, still lost, still broken, still struggling with how to kind of stand before God. When God who examines the heart, when God who looks at the heart looks in our heart to look at our care. And then it kind of dawns on me and i hope on you and i hope in the hearers that day in jesus time that all of this preaching jesus does in matthew chapter 5 6 and 7 leads us to understand how badly we need god we need god the focus isn't being on perfect because no one can be perfect no one has been perfect Maybe there's a rainbow coming down in 10 minutes to to see who the one perfect person is in church today. And it ain't landed on the altar. It may be landed in the choir loft. But, uh, and to stand before God with a bunch of excuses. I was too weak. I didn't know. It was a bad time. Just doesn't explain away all of the issues of life. We need God. And we need God, not just in a way of, oh, God, you're so nice, like you, like you take him off the shelf and put him down and say, OK, Lord, my kid hasn't studied for the fourth grade science test and you're going to have to do a big one here, Lord. So it's all good. No, we need God in our hearts. We need God to mold and shape heart and soul. We need God to come down and instill character. And faith and hope and love inside of us and inside of those who we love and deliver that in and through family systems. Because that's where the faith is best transmitted. In the give and take, the ebb and flow of real life. Raising little people. Powerful sense of responsibility. Did you ever grow up and your parents said, you know, Jesus is watching? Did you ever have that? I got a little bit of that, but not too much. I can honestly say I never said that to my children in any sort of guilt thing. I did say, I've done weddings for almost all of the Orange PD and a number of sheriffs. So if you get popped out doing something you're not supposed to do, I'm gonna find out about it. God is watching, but God is not angry. God is looking, but God is not mean. God loves us and interacts with us, but but he's not vindictive. God doesn't look to take out our sin and our soul on us. And while he doesn't say that here in Matthew chapter 5, he leads the Apostle Paul to that in Romans chapter 8, where Paul writes these marvelous words, Romans chapter eight, verses one through four. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature God did by sending his own son into the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but live according to the spirit. Now take those words. God is not shaking his finger at you. God is sending his son, the teacher, the rabbi that day to live and die for you and me and to be a sin offering. So that when God looks at my soul, when God looks at my behavior, he sees Jesus, his son, And our sins are paid for, atoned on the cross. And all of us who need God and need God's grace and need God's mercy and need God's love and need the inner restoration of the heart through Jesus Christ, God delivers that. Paul, a murderer. Paul, taking orders to kill people when Jesus called him, perhaps knew the issue of a guilty conscience before God. And only in the cross of Jesus Christ does he find the resolve and the justification before God. Don't you love that? Justification. My seventh grade teacher, anyone go to middle school in a place where they had manual typewriters and you learned to type? Come on, we're all over 50 if we did that, right? FJF space. FJF space. Even at Orange Lutheran, we had Mrs. Osborne, and she taught us how to do that as well. And then they'd say, justify this. And you'd look and go, oh. It's all going to be perfect. It's all going to work out. It's all going to be beautiful. Now, on a computer, you type it out. You spell check it. You run the grammar check. You hit justify, and the document's perfect. spits right out. Jesus takes the imperfections of heart and soul of our behavior and our lives. And in Christ, He justifies them. He makes us perfect in Christ. We are new creations. We are new people. And the heart, the heart, the heart is transformed. Because that's what Jesus does. Our sins are released by God from us in Christ. God doesn't look at us and say, Oh, there's Tim the cheater, Tim the liar. He says, There's Tim, my, my son, who I gave. I gave my son for Tim. And now Tim's in the family and he releases us from the responsibility of our sin because he is the sin offering for us. We're human beings and not human doings. And so into our being speaks God with his grace and his love. This would be a great sermon to go through this text in Matthew and just say. Have you done this sin? Have you done that sin? Have you done this? Have you done that? Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. We need God and God delivers. And so as human beings, this text leads us to understand who we are before God and to live in that. And perhaps the takeaway today is a sense of confidence and renewed hope, not don't do this and don't do that. But digging deeper into the heart and soul and saying, at the end of the day, when I walked out of St. John's today, I know who I am. I'm a child of God. And I'm going to take that into my life. And I'm going to take that into raising my kid. And here's what it looks like for me. When I'm angry, I'm going to back off. I'm going to look at him and say, you know what? I love you. And I'm with you. And here's how this needs to change. And you're going to sit on. Do you guys do timeouts over there in fourth grade? You're a little old for that? I see some nods. You're going to sit and think about who you are, and you mold that character, and you form who they are in the easy days and the bad days, and you remind them that you are a representative of Christ's love to them, and watch them grow, and watch them flourish, and watch them have a sense of confidence in identity as they go out into the world. They along with us are children of the most high. Paul, when he figured that out, said it a different way at the end of Romans chapter eight, he talks about life and death and trouble and hardship and all these things. And and then chapter eight, verse 36, it says, as it is written for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Then he says, no, no. In all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I am convicted, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ comes down and takes care of the heart. And the heart drives behavior and in him and in his love we are more than conquerors more than fit to be parents more than fit to be workers more than fit to follow daily after jesus amen